it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 295. Today, we're going to talk about the validity of Scuttlebutt and the importance of qualitative analysis. And Andrew and I thought this would be an interesting topic to talk about because it kind of gets away from the numbers and the focus on the numbers and talks about maybe some of the more air quote soft skills of investing. So, Sir Andrew, I'm going to turn it over to you to get us started and then we'll go ahead and chat a little bit. This should be fun. We were looking back in the archives and this was an episode we did in episode 12. Mm-hmm. And our, I mean, I, I feel like my thoughts have evolved on this and, you know, my approach has evolved as well since those very early days. So hopefully we can give a slightly wiser <laughs> and still valuable uh, discussion here. So how would you define scuttlebutt and qualitative analysis? Okay, so I guess the way I guess I would define it is scuttlebutt would be information that you learn from sources outside of the financials of the business. So it's information that you maybe you pick up on the street, information that you hear in the news, information you hear from company employees. That's, I guess, how I would kind of define scuttlebutt. You could probably put the whole rumor mill peg on it or gossip if you want. I think I've heard somebody talk about that in respect to scuttlebutt. And I guess that's kind of how I would define it. As far as qualitative analysis, to me, that really implies more soft skills where you're thinking more about management, where you're thinking about management's impact on the business. And you're also thinking about the moat or the competitive advantages, any potential growth or decreases that the company could see and how those all impact the investment. So it's more about, I guess, using my noggin and thinking about 
the business, trying to think about it a little more deeply outside of reading about their capital allocation skills or something of that nature. So how about you? How do you, when you think of scuttlebutt or qualitative analysis, what comes to mind for you? Well, I'll give you the latest scuttlebutt I heard, which I actually, (laughs) I shared with you previously, so it's not as funny to you. So sorry for that. But I was, I had heard somebody just walking by randomly. I heard them say, Costco will never let you down. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, you wonder if like, kind of random things like that you can use it as usefulness not to say oh my gosh i heard a stranger on the street say something and that's gonna make me buy a stock but i think with different companies you can kind of take the temperature of where things are and little things like that can maybe go a long way towards confirming the way you feel about a company or maybe if you felt suspicious about a company and then you got hair in your pizza or something when you went there maybe that can be a signal too mm-hmm. it's not a crazy concept it might sound crazy at first but peter lynch has talked about knowing what you own he talked about how he went to a store with his wife and saw the line and it gave him an idea to research this company so it's not something that you know you throw out the research completely but it can be a useful signal i think and mm-hmm. kind of prompting you to think maybe a different way about a company or dig a little bit deeper in a way you feel about a company and i think if it can encourage you to learn more then it's it's worthwhile yeah totally it totally is and it, that kind of idea is something that i don't think is talked enough about i guess it comes back to trying to be observant of your own you know, orbit what's going on in your world for example my fiance isn't like this, but I heard people talk about how their significant other, you know, lives and dies by Lululemon, for example. And they just, they buy everything. And anytime something new comes out, they go there to the store to get it. Or if they need something to go to a show or something, they go to that store. You know, those kinds of things. Or my ex-wife lived and died by Starbucks. It was just, she had to have it every single day. And she was grouchy in any way, but she always wanted to get it. You know, she said that, you know, she had to get it because that was part of her routine and whatnot. And she lived and died by Starbucks. And so I think those little subtle clues can certainly tell you, you know, how important those businesses are to people and maybe give you insight into what kind of competitive advantage they may have. Because if they're driving that kind of fan devotion, for particular things, it might be something worthwhile to look into and to determine, you know, if this is really, you know, something I got to have, you know, like the, the whole iPhone thing, you know, there's people that I was reading a few days ago, one of the, an NBA player had to go buy an iPhone because the rest of the team wouldn't let him in on the group chat because he had a Samsung phone, you know? And so that tells you that, you know, Apple has a strong presence and the culture of that, the team and so they're fans and that's something that you want to think about when you're trying to think about you know how important is this business and what drives growth for this business and if you can create fans like that that helps spread the word for the business and those are all things that go a long ways towards the company being successful so my neck of the woods we're building all over the place but one of these new fancy has a movie theater has like trendy ice cream shops all, all this mm-hmm. really nice stuff the trendiest like rooftop bar and all this. They had a brand new Lululemon open up right there next to the Nike store. And so, you know, I didn't hear it, but you can go out in person and see these things. Mm -hmm. And you wonder if that gives a little more information than looking at 
a financial statement and saying, oh yeah, this company opened the store and this company opened the store. But you know, it could be two very different stores, two very different signals, depending on the context. And I wonder if that's those are little things like to your point, it's not talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. But who's stopping you from going and, and kind of thoughtfully observing your surroundings and, and looking at those kind of things? I probably don't do it enough. I know I don't do it enough. And sometimes I kind of kick myself. Like my daughter loves Chick-fil-A. And so every time we go there, I just observe the lines. It's a well-oiled machine, so it goes quickly. But when you look at it, you're like, oh, you were going to be here for 45 minutes. And they just kind of zip through. But you think about that's obviously a brand that has created a loyal following. And it's something that you know a lot of people love. And that's just, those are little things that you can pick up. Like I've been driving across the country a lot recently, and I've been noticing a lot of Old Dominion trucks. And so that's something that just, you know, I see the logo on the side of the truck and it sticks with me or Prime. I see a lot of Prime trucks. And so those are all things that, you know, I observe out in the wild, if you will. And it can give you an idea that, hey, maybe if I'm seeing all these trucks everywhere, then that indicates that the business is doing something. And so maybe I should look into it. Sometimes it it may not pan out for whatever reason, but I think it's a great way to determine maybe qualitatively how strong a business is by just the reaction to the public of, you know, when a new Lululemon opens up or, you know, a new Chick-fil-A opens up in an area, those are, you know, popular places. And it really kind of shows how strong their brands are. But to take the other side of that, I mean, I don't invest in McDonald's. I never have. Their numbers don't appeal to me at this time. If I was a long-term McDonald's shareholder, and I don't know what their numbers are now, so don't take this the wrong way if you own McDonald's. I know they've been a great stock for a long time. But let's say you saw that same store sales at McDonald's was down or it's really slow growth. And you listen to the company and management saying, yeah, yeah, it's the economy, it's interest rates, it's inflation. That could be the case. But if you're to your point looking at like a Chick-fil-A drive through and then if there's a McDonald's half a mile down the street and the drive through lengths are so much different, Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to question what management's saying and what their excuses are for why the numbers don't look great. And that that's another, I think, example of kind of take the negative approach of it, of using Scuttlebutt to or IFB version of Scuttlebutt today right. uh, to use that to kind of think about your investments. Let's be honest here. Your sex life is important. It helps us feel more confident and boosts our happiness. But sometimes we struggle to perform. Our life gets in the way. This is where Hims can help. With their convenient and discreet online platform, you can get help for your erectile dysfunction from the comfort and privacy of your own home. No more waiting rooms, no more awkward conversations, just a simple direct path to treatment that works around your life, not interrupts it. Invest in your health today. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor visits. Answer a series of questions on their site, and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance is needed. If ED is getting you down, it's time you join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com slash investing. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash investing for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com slash investing. 
Hard mints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety and effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before Nerd Wallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So I, I feel like we should also bring up myopic circles while we're talking about Scuttlebutt, because there is a way to take this Scuttlebutt idea too far. So can you explain myopic circles and, and no, okay, I'll, <laughs> no. I'll explain it. If you want like a good definition, listen to our episode with Vitaly. He is a fund manager. We've had him on several times and great guy, great conversations. And he he's defined myopic circles, but he basically says his example is that him, none of his friends smoke. And so he kind of thinks it seems to him like most of the world doesn't smoke, but there's actually a very, portion of people who do. So we get in these kind of bubbles where we hang out with people like us and we might not get exposed to everything that's in the world. And so you can take this myopic circles thing a little too far. To go back to my McDonald's example, there could just be one bad franchise owner in some random city that you happen to be at where they've put hair in their food every day for the last three years. And maybe that's why that McDonald's is not doing as well as Chick-fil-A. But maybe if you expand your horizons, looked across the country, that wasn't the case. So you do want to be careful about taking scuttlebutt too far. And, and especially because myopic circles are tough because we don't realize what myopic circles were in. Because we just have that, we, we have our own bubble. So you, you do have to be very, very careful. And I think that's where going back to the numbers again helps. Because... The numbers can check the scuttlebutt and the scuttlebutt can check the numbers and the qualitative can check the quantitative and the quantitative can check the qualitative. So I really see those as going hand in hand. And I think the better that investors can get at balancing that, the better decisions they can make over the long term. Yeah, that's a great point. I love now that you're talking about it. I do remember a conversation with Vitelli about that. I was having a an old age moment, if you will. I mean, that's a fantastic point is that we get wrapped up in our own little bubbles and we think that nobody smokes when in fact a lot of people smoke. I mean, you know, in my own personal orbit, nobody smokes. But when I worked in the restaurant business, everybody smoked except me. <laughs> and so you could take that two ways. You could think that everybody in the world smokes because in the restaurant business, most people do. But in my circle, nobody does. So it's interesting how you can get yourself into a bubble and think that everything is like that. And I think kind of thinking about that, what would be some ways that investors could maybe try to help themselves kind of expand their bubble or offer alternative versions of their bubble, if you will? 
Yeah, that's a good one. One that actually is related to our conversation today is the scuttlebutt idea was originally that name was created by Phil Fisher. He's written one of the investment classics, common to common stocks and uncommon. What is it? Uncommon profits and uncommon. Uh, I think it's the other way around. I think it's <laughs> common stocks and uncommon profits. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So Warren Buffett shouted out that guy, and he's a great investor in his own right. He's talked about when you do scuttlebutt, you would think that you would ta- you would want to talk to the CEO of the company whose stock you want to buy, and he says actually probably the better ideas come from talking to a competitor and asking that competitor, hey, which company in your industry keeps you up at night? And if they say the company that you're thinking of investing in, then that could be a good signal. So to answer your question, Dave, one way that you can expand that myopic circle is when you're looking at, if I feel a certain way about Domino's, instead of just looking only at Domino's, let me look at what Papa John's is doing. Let me look at what Little Caesars is doing. And you try to get the entire industry's viewpoint helps give you a lot of context. And then if you can move up and down the value chain too, look at the food distributors that are providing ingredients, look at what customers are doing. Other like B2B businesses, you want to look at the business below them. Those things give you, really help you paint that picture where if you just only focus on a single company and only get the viewpoint from that company and that management, that myopic circle is, is really limited. Instead, try to look at all the pieces around. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic idea. And I think that's something that I know I've tried to incorporate in my research of companies is looking at the other businesses in their orbit to kind of get a sense of kind of where company A sits in this particular industry because it can be very, very helpful. And sometimes you even find better opportunities than the one you're actually looking at. It can also kind of help like you said, kind of help temper your your bubble and not think that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and all these other ones are not, where you may find out that it's actually the reverse. And that could be very, very helpful. Another thing that kind of came to me too is I read, I'm not sure, I don't remember where I read this, but be a little bit, when you're listening to a CEO talk, for example, in an earnings call or another, they're being interviewed. One of the things that you always want to kind of keep in the back of your mind is, these people are salesmen. Their job is to build up the business, build them up, pump them up. And most of them are charismatic. Most of them are outgoing, very well-spoken, well-dressed. You know, you like them. That's natural. That's, but they're, and they're leaders and you like them. But you also have to temper a little bit of what they're saying. Not that they're telling you lies, but that they're positioning themselves and their words to try to influence you. And that's why I think some of these guys, especially Buffett, do not spend a lot of time talking to the management of the businesses because they don't want to get influenced by their charisma, for example. I mean, that's part of the charm of Elon Musk. He's very charismatic. You know, love him or hate him, he's very charismatic. And there's other people like that. Uh, Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan, I love him. And he's, but he's very charismatic. And to sit down and have dinner with him would be amazing. But if I had to talk to him about his company, he would definitely try to sway me from looking at U.S. Bank or Bank of America, for example. He just, he wouldn't talk badly about them, but just he would be so enthusiastic about JP Morgan that it would be hard for you to see behind kind of past that glare kind of thing. So when you're listening to management talk or you're, thinking about management, always kind of keep that in the back of your mind that their job is to be charismatic and a salesperson. And 
that you just ha- kind of have to dial down the enthusiasm for them because it's it may not always be in your best interest to invest in a company even though you like the CEO a lot. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. Write that one down. That's some wisdom. Right. So any other ways you think investors can think about expanding the myopic circle? I think there's a few things, kind of scattered thoughts that float through my head. Number one, I was talking to somebody and they were telling me that one of the things that they do to try to give them a sense of the business, they actually go to the the business and talk to employees. Mm -hmm. So they don't talk to the management, they talk to employees. So for example, if you go to Costco and you're checking out at Costco, ask the cashier, what do they think of working here? What's your favorite thing about working here? That kind of thing. They'll ask them these kinds of questions to kind of get the feedback from the employee of what people think about that. Another thing that, that I've heard is people will stand outside of a store and watch how many people go in and what they come out with. Like if somebody goes into a clothing store, you see a lot of people going in but not coming out with many clothes. I mean, that could lead you to think, okay, this about this company and whatnot. And if you do that with all their competitors, like if you go to a shopping, if you go to a mall, it's very easy to go from store to store to store to store and just check out the behavior of the customers in those particular stores. And that's information that can help you. It can confirm or deny how great or how not great a particular company could be just by the customer behavior, for example. So those are, I guess, a couple of ideas that I've, I've heard through the years that can be useful to help not only expand your horizons, but I guess burst your bubble a little bit and also kind of break the myopic bubble. If you're super, super into Target and you go to Macy's, Walmart, and Lululemon and The Limited, you're going to get vastly different kinds of reactions from the customers as well as the employees. And those can go a long ways to giving you insight into the company. That's Yeah, those are all excellent ideas. I don't remember if it's Aswath Damodoran or if it was Vitaly, but I think it was it was Damodoran. I think he was and, and by the way, this guy's the professor of valuation, which means he teaches smart. you how to smart dude. How, how to figure out how much a company's worth for a living. And I think he said one of his tasks was to figure out the valuation for Uber. And so he took an Uber and just talked to the driver. I actually mm-hmm. think he called his son first. Yeah. And it's like, I'll call you an Uber. And he's like, yeah. what do you mean Uber? Like he didn't yeah. know what that was, you know? No, he's like, I don't know what this Uber thing is. <laughs> a great example of taking that idea. And mm-hmm. apparently, Damodar was saying he learned so much about Uber's business just from talking to the Uber driver. Mm-hmm. Uber, Uber driver is a contractor. They're running their own business inside of Uber, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you can learn a lot. And I think that's something you do really well, Dave, is... You're able to reach out to people you know have expertise and get mm-hmm. information about the concept. And I wonder if that's something that more investors can do. Yeah, I mean, they certainly can. And the biggest thing is being open to asking questions and being open to you know, asking, you know, making yourself look like you don't know what you're talking about, but you don't. And so that's why you're asking questions is you're trying to learn something and being okay with that. 99.95% of people are going to be totally fine with that because you're coming to them and it makes them feel important and feel like they have knowledge and they do and you're trying to you're trying to gain that knowledge from them so that you can learn something about 
different concept or different businesses and whatnot. And yeah, I love that story about Demoter and or Domador. And I thought that was kind of brilliant. It was kind of funny because the way he phrased it was like he'd never heard of the company, had no idea what his son was talking about. And I think the company was getting ready to IPO and or go public. And so he wanted to learn more about it. And I think he said, I think he said that he got more information from the Uber driver than he did from the S1 or any conference call <laughs> just just by talking to the Uber driver for half an hour. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know, I think kind of think about it kind of along the lines of talking to employees. A lot of times you're going to get the unvarnished truth from them. You know, you're going to get the the good and the bad. Sometimes you'll run into the people that are just, you know, they've drunk the Kool-Aid and they're just going to give you platitudes. But a lot of times you'll run into people that will tell you the truth. And especially if it's in an environment, they feel like they can talk. You know, if you're at a party with somebody and you're talking to somebody, and you find out they work at Target, for example. You can ask them questions about Target. What's it like working there? What is the management like? How do they treat you? You know, how long have you worked there? What are the working conditions like? All these things you can ask them, you know, in the course of a conversation that can help, you know, tack on your scuttlebutt. I'm not saying you got to go to a party and like, do you work at Target? Do you work at Target? But, you know, those are kinds of situations where the employee is going to be far more open than maybe they would at the store just because they're afraid Big Brother's watching. But if they're out at a party or they're, you know, on a, at a park or something and whatnot, you know, the opportunity is a lot easier in those circumstances. Any other ways that investors, the average investor can pick up scuttlebutt 
Yeah, there's probably two more, I guess, formal ways, if you will, that without having to rely on your social skills can give you some insight into maybe the goings on in a business. And one of them is a website called Glassdoor. And this is a an employee an employee rating system, if you will, that allows you to for free see what employees are saying about working at a company, what they think of the CEO, for example, what are the working conditions? Would they recommend working at this business? Do they recommend it to their friends kind of thing? And those are all things that can give you kind of a snapshot of what employees think about working at Target again. I'll just use that as a common theme here. And that can help you get an insight into the company without actually having to go to talk to employees and stuff. And a lot of times they will tell you what the culture is like. You can read employee reviews in Glassdoor and it'll tell you you know, what they think of management, the culture, uh, what they think of the company and whatnot. And this is a tip that we picked up from Todd, Todd Wenning. He works Ensemble Capital and we had him on the show a while back. And this is something that he suggested was using Glassdoor as, as an insight into culture of the business. And so that can be very helpful, especially if it's a company, if you live in Iowa and you want to investigate a company that's in the Netherlands, it may be harder to go visit the company in the Netherlands kind of thing. So that could be very useful. The other tool that I haven't used much personally, but I think can provide a lot of insight into the business beyond the financials is uh, services like Tegas which are professional investment services that they interview former or current employees of different businesses. Generally, they're in management, some level of management or higher positions of authority. And those can give you insight into the culture, the goings on, what the direction of the business and those kinds of things. And that can be you know, a more formalized scuttlebutt, if you will. And that could be very helpful if you can you know, find those kind of services. They are a bit pricey, so it's not something that the average everyday person can use. But I know that there's a lot of uh, professional investors that really like those services. Uh, Patrick O'Shaughnessy in particular is a big fan of that stuff. So there are any, you know, we talked about you want to mix the quantitative with the qualitative. So don't rely only on scuttlebutt. Make sure you confirm your thesis <laughs> with numbers. Any other downsides, things to avoid when we talk about this whole scuttlebutt conversation? Yeah, I think the number one thing that pops into my mind is insider trading. And that's something that you you want to avoid at all costs. <laughs> yeah, It's not worth whatever you could make from it. Basically, what insider trading is, is that you buy a stock based on knowledge that you gained that the public has no access to. So let's just throw out a hypothetical. Let's say you work at a company and the company discovers the secret to making you never hungry again by eating this one little thing. And then you go out and you buy, you borrow and beg and and get as much money as you can to invest in this company because you know that once that product goes on the market, it's going to revolutionize food and diets and you know health and everything. Anyway. So you go and do all that, and then the company comes public with this knowledge, this information. They start selling the product, and then the stock goes you know, to the moon, of course. And then the government finds out that you heard this information from your best friend across the street who was the CEO of the company. 
and he told you this in confidence and then you went out and bought it and the rest of the neighborhood had no knowledge of this information and couldn't, that's insider trading. And you can go to jail and pay a lot of money for doing this. And this is verboten. Don't do it. Um, so whenever you're, let's say you are talking to an employee or you're reading a transcript that's about an employee that used to work at the business, tread lightly on how how much you act on that information or at least let time go by before you pull the trigger. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to buy before it's public knowledge. So if you learn something that's insider information and then six months later it becomes public knowledge and then you buy the company, that's totally okay. It's the six months before it becomes public knowledge that's the gray area. You don't want to go in the gray area. And so that's one of the, not a downside to scuttlebutt or qualitative analysis, but it's something you have to, to know and keep in mind in case you are privy to private information that other people don't have. And, you know, if you go talk to an employee at Target again and they tell you they don't like working there, that okay, that, that's one thing. But if you learn something that's, you know, insider information that could be very valuable, then you're going to have to sit on it. You just got it. It's not worth the, the pain and effort. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for explaining that for everybody. I hope they found the discussion on Scuttlebutt interesting. And I liked the different ideas you had on expanding your circle and mm. doing some of that. So hopefully people find it valuable. Yeah, me too. I think this conversation is an interesting conversation. And I think it, it could be very helpful for people. And for those people that aren't super, super big into numbers, this could be a, a way to kind of break into investing as they enjoy the softer skills of learning about a company. And then they can add, you know, the hard skills of, you know, figuring out what an income statement is and so on. Perfect. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed our little show. If you would, kindly consider giving us a review. It greatly helps our show. And don't forget to browse the incredible materials we've created for you at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lastly, continue growing your knowledge as an Investing for Beginners insider with insights and educational tips delivered right to your inbox for free. Sign up today. And with that, we will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.